Hey, good morning, Hickory Grove. Pastor Eric here. Um, I'm trying something new. We are going to be doing a weekly, and it's probably going to be a few times a week. I'm going to be sharing with you from God's Word. But today's Monday. I'm actually recording this at about uh, 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, and instead of giving you a Monday update or uh, recapturing the sermon from yesterday, um, via email, I'm actually going to have this link sent out and have it shared with you uh, about what I have to share about the sermon yesterday and just kind of do a little recap. But also, if you remember, there was a moment in which I was hoping to share with you 1 Corinthians 13, and I just couldn't find it in my Bible. Um, I, I was turned to 1 Corinthians 13, and then I just could not find the piece of the passage uh, as I was looking at it. Just one of those things that when you go off the cuff, uh, sometimes it just doesn't go the way that you had planned it. So, um, word to the wise, have things marked out in your Bible a little bit better than I did. So, uh, with that said, I just want to share with you, uh, I'm going to read the passage from yesterday again. So, it's 1 John 1-4, through 4, and um, I, I just want to recap a uh, kind of like the big picture of the sermon. And I want to look at 1 Corinthians 13 with you, um, which I tried to do yesterday. So, so let's do it. So John writes, that which was born from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. And again, he's talking about not only his own apostolic authority, not only with his own authority as a witness to Jesus, but he's also speaking from a place in which He's speaking on behalf of all of the apostles, all of the witnesses. There's a whole lot more strength. It's almost like a Supreme Court justice speaking on behalf of all of them, um, if they were all in agreement. Okay, um, Verse 2, the life was made manifest, uh, meaning that all that was from the beginning, so all that was Christ prior to the incarnation, he was made manifest through flesh. It was made manifest, and we've seen it and testified to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life. Here's something that I missed yesterday that I really forgot to bring up. Eternal life proceeds from Christ. So the reason you and I have eternal life is because Christ indwells us through the Holy Spirit. Um, our life is contingent upon Christ. So that's how we can say we have eternal life now. And we have eternal life in the future because we have Christ indwelling us. So eternal life rests with God. It rests with Christ. And we have it because he indwells us. Moving on. Which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. They're calling people into the fellowship, not because they're asking them to join the Cool Kids Club. But let's face it, I mean, it's the Cool Kids Club when you're with Team Jesus, right? But he, they're calling them not just into their own band or fellowship, but he is calling them into fellowship with God. And like the rest of the book really points to what does that fellowship look like? 
But yesterday, I really wanted to point to you one of the key aspects. And, and we're going to, the thing about 1 John is it's, it's spiral. It's very circular. So we come back to the same themes over and over again. It's not a linear pathway forward. He just, it, it's, it, the further we get along in the book, the deeper we get into these themes. And I pointed to you yesterday a few places in 1 John um, where we learn, like, we learn what it means to have fellowship with God. We learn, we learned what the marks of are a, of a true Christian. They can look and say, man, I know I'm saved because of these things that, that God lays out in his word. And, and we said it this way. So in 2.26, so 1 John 2.26, um, we see that fellowship with God and his people leads to right belief. Now, that doesn't mean that you automatically come into the faith with right belief. We have a lifetime of learning God's word. So if you get confused easily, if, if there are things that like I teach or somebody else teaches, and you go, man, this is really hard to understand. This is really complex. Uh, take, <laughs> take solace in knowing you're not supposed to understand everything right away. It's okay. It leads to right belief, okay? Um, and the reason right belief is so important is because right belief leads to right action. It's one of the reasons why um, more mature Christians uh, have such great patience with less mature Christians because they've come to a place of right belief and they've had time to put that right belief in action, to have right action. We call that, so right belief is orthodoxy or orthodoxy, and right practices, orthopraxy, orthopraxy, all right? So we see that in uh, chapter 2, verse 26, I write these things to you uh, about those who are trying to deceive you. So if people are trying to deceive us or deceive this church in the area of Ephesus, then that means there is a truth. There, there are people trying to deceive them and bring them out of the truth. All right, next. Fellowship with God and his people leads to holiness. All right, so holiness is is just simply the absence of sin, okay? And actually, this upcoming Sunday, we're going to talk a lot about holiness, so I don't want to, like, scare you off. I don't want to get too much into the weeds right now because that's really what the theme of the whole next sermon is going to be about. But this is what we see in 1, 6, and 2, 1, which are actually two verses in the next upcoming sermon. Um, it says this, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So a mark of a true disciple is one who doesn't like relish in their sin. They don't love their sin. They try to forsake their sin. They try to walk away from it. That's what holiness looks like. Holiness doesn't necessarily look like perfection. Now, it does with God because he's perfectly holy. You and I are clothed with the perfect holiness and righteousness that's been given to us by Christ. So that's what we have, and that's a treasure. So now our lives are marked by walking out of the darkness and into the light that's already been purchased for us. I mean, that's beautiful, all right? So that's what holiness looks like. And then lastly, um, we see this, that fellowship with God and his people necessitates love for one another. 
I'm going to talk about love here in a second. So it necessitates love. It's not an option. Like we are people who are growing in our love for God and one another. Um, John writes this in 4, 7 through 8. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born from born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So what is the, like? I, you hear me say this all the time. Love is not just an affection. It's not less than that. Like it is an affection, um, but it's also a verb. It's also something that requires some kind of action. Like you don't love your spouse and not, you know, not tell them that you love them, right? You don't love your spouse and um, not care for them in some kind of way. In fact, Jesus um, uh, or uh, Paul outlines for us that um, the husband, the way he loves his wife is to care for her. He's the head of um, his wife. So he cares for and loves her in this way that he would die for, loves her in the same way that Christ loved the church. And how does the wife love the husband? By being a helpmate. We see that with um, in, in uh, Adam and Eve, that Eve was created as a helpmate to Adam. But we also see that you know her, she um, joyfully submits to the leadership of her husband. And loves him in that way. So let's uh, let's get to First Corinthians thirteen because this is very practical. This is very practical. So First Corinthians thirteen, we're starting in verse four. You can turn there or you can just listen to me read it. So uh, Paul writes, "Love is patient and kind." So an expression of love is being patient and kind. So when we are showing love within the fellowship, within the koinonia, with one another, we are to be patient and kind. That's hard. We we need to learn patience. That's okay. It doesn't. It's something that we're growing in. Okay. So um, don't expect to have these things right away. This is a lifelong pursuit in growing in holiness and growing in love. So love is patient. It's kind. Love does not envy or boast. So, like, if somebody else is, is successful, somebody else is further along in the faith, if somebody else gets their way, you don't, you're not jealous, right? You're not envious of them. Um, also, if you get your way, you're not going to be boastful. If you're very successful, you're not going to boast about it. Um, because what does that do? It makes other people envious of you. So if you go around telling people how awesome you are and how much success you're having, how much money you have, and what you're doing is putting a stumbling block between your brother because let's face it, I mean, when we have people around us that are bragging about these things, boasting, um, we can often in our hearts become jealous of them. Um, Love, uh, moving on in verse 4, it is not arrogant or rude. Not arrogant or rude. So, you know, one of my favorite terms is don't be a jerk. Um, listen, there are times that we can all be rude. Um, sometimes we lose patience. Sometimes we didn't have our, our, you know, maybe two or three cups of coffee in the morning. Um, whatever it might be, you, you slept wrong. Maybe your patience is a little shorter than normal. Um, but you're not going to be rude to people, but you're also not going to be arrogant. Um, and there's an there's a, a sense of arrogance that can come with um, all the other things that we've already talked about with being boastful and envious. 
you're out for yourself. I mean, you're not going to be, um, you're not going to be arrogant if you count others as more important than yourself, right? Um, and, and we can often find arrogance when we have right doctrine, when we have right belief, when we think we know better than other people, but we don't have the right action. That that doctrine hasn't brought us to a place of humility. All right. Um, it does not, verse 5, it does not insist on its own way. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. I gave the, the um, illustration of you know one church member insisting that we must have pink carpet, but they realize, man, this is going to be super divisive. So what am I going to do? I'm going to capitulate. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to back off and say, you know what? Maybe pink carpet's not a good idea, and the rest of the fellowship goes, oh, thank you. Yeah, you're right. We don't think carpet's a good idea, and you leave it at that, and then you get whatever carpet the rest of the people agree on. Um, it's not irritable. It's not resentful. Uh, verse 6 does not rejoice at wrongdoing, so, but rejoices in the truth. So, like, when somebody messes up, right, like, when somebody screws up, whether it's in the fellowship, whether it's in your home, like, you don't go, nan nan a boo boo I told you so, right? Like, that is just the worst thing. When somebody messes up, like, this happens sometimes in, in, in um, contentious business meetings, right? Someone misspeaks. Someone... Um, <laughs> Oh my goodness, the worst thing you can do in like a business meeting or anything else, right, is, and first off, business meetings are biblical, but they are helpful. Um, but sometimes, and I say that because sometimes people treat uh, business meetings as though they are the Jerusalem Council, uh, and they certainly are not. Um, but they are helpful in our context, that's why I want to say. But one of the most just demonic things is when someone stands up in a business meeting and misrepresents another person, especially on purpose. Um, because what that does is Satan uses that to bring division within the church. And that is a, uh, and then you have somebody else go, see, I told you this guy was awful. Um, that's rejoicing and wrongdoing. Um, we need to be careful. It's easy to do that, especially if we're the ones being misrepresented. So, Love doesn't see those things. So if someone stands up at a business meeting is an incredible jerk, well, you absolutely have the responsibility to say, brother, you are not acting in love and in kindness. You need to stop being a jerk. Um, I mean, we're called to do that. <laughs> Jesus says that in Matthew 18, right? So if someone sins against you, if they, if they are misrepresenting you, I mean, that's bearing false witness. So here we are, in that one instance, you probably have three categories of someone bearing witness to themselves about not being a true Christian, right? Because they don't have right belief, <laughs> they are not showing love because they're bearing false witness, uh, and they are lacking holiness. So, but the thing is, is like, we don't hold that over somebody else. What we do is we say, man, I need to win them back over to the cross of Christ. Brother, do you understand what you're doing? Oh, snap. I didn't think of it that way. I'm super sorry. Yeah, you're right. Well, man, that's proof of <laughs> that's proof that they truly are a brother. But if they're like, no, dude, go kick rocks. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. Oof, I'd hate to be that guy, right? All right. Um, now, verse 7. Love bears all things, 
It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So we're just going to stop there in this <coughs> passage. But love bears all things. I mean, we can get through anything. We can endure anything within the koinonia, within the fellowship. That's what it means to be in a koinonia. That means we can survive contentious business meetings. That means we can survive when when we have folks who, who begin walking away from the faith or leave our church. We can survive all of these things. Um, we can survive holding one another accountable before the Lord, which is our call. We can survive um, all that is out in the world because we have one another. We are the fellowship of, of God's church. We are the fellowship of all believers. We are the ones who are united by the blood of Christ, and he calls us to love him and to love one another. So I hope this was helpful. Um, maybe it'll be more fun than reading it in an email. I'm not quite sure. But be on the lookout. Um, the next, uh, I'm going to test this out to see do, doing some um, uh, similar studies throughout the week and, and sharing them on this podcast link. So this is uh, Get in the Word. That's what I'm calling it. So um, you can subscribe on anywhere that you get your podcasts. So take care. God bless. See you next week.